Charles, I am on the road again and yet remain loyal to our six-person fan base that will not miss a week of this, no matter what. Well, I, th I think they deserve that. They are the brave six, so it's good. And we have Fancy Nick, and I want you to know today, whatever the topic, which we sort of know, I'm going to be super skeptical with anything and everything you have to say today. Coming up next. I think I've actually done that two weeks in a row. I'm supposed to play the mission critical next steps, but I play the opening again just because I like the beat. I think I you're know. hitting it right though, because people will get yeah. bored, right? They so I think it's good. we have the intro and now the outro. Um, okay, so the topic today. This is what and and I'll take I'll take responsibility for the for this topic, and then Charles can take responsibility for being skeptic or skeptical. Um, so I've been on a lot of calls recently where we very quickly transition into leads. Nothing new, we've talked about this a million times on Franax. But then I started listening to what some of the conversations revolve around and it's the cost per lead. And then I say, all right, out of 100 leads, how many do you actually talk to? And the answer is always around 10. So I'm like, are we focusing on the wrong numbers here? Because if we're trying to optimize cost per lead, Shouldn't we be optimizing cost per application or cost per qualified franchise buyer and then multiplying that based on what we need? And so in my opinion, the data is already all backwards because we're chasing something that has no value. So and you'll see this in the bottom thoughts in the email this week. The, the analogy is, is a brand that talks about, oh, I've, I've mastered my cost per lead. It's so low. You know, like how many units do you have? You have seven. How many new deals have you signed last year? None. How's your validation? It's poor. So what I'm trying to say is in order, like if you're going to engineer a business the right way, and, and, and we have this happen all the time where brands like I need 10 deals this year and I need to do it for X amount of money. Cool. But the reality is your own data dictates your outcome. So if you really work through the math and you engineer it, how many applications, what's, what's your close rate on your applications? And it should be high because if they've got to the application, say they, they should be a highly qualified candidate. Um, so now we engineer that. Let's say it costs us $10,000 to get 10 applications. And we know that we can close 50% of those and we need to get 10 deals. Then all of a sudden you work through the math and you're going to need a $20,000 budget deployed to get these numbers right. So, and, it, and it's not always perfect, but I think when, when the industry is talking about cost per lead, it's not the right data point. It should be cost per deal based on your own data and cost per application, which is probably the, the best indicator that you're you're a quality lead. Well, Charles? I, I mean, you're getting down in the funnel, right? But what would you define as an application? Like, is it filling out a form on a website? Like, what is an application? Uh, no, a, a lead would be someone. Okay, so let, let's let's back up. Two, two levels of leads, it's a, three levels of leads. We'll, we'll, we'll put three buckets. Bucket one is a ghost lead. This is someone that's going to your website right now. They're looking at your site. They're not ready to, to buy or you haven't given them a reason to buy. So they're sitting on the sidelines. Maybe they check back ever so often. Maybe they watch the, your retargeting. That's a ghost lead. You don't know their name, but you know that as a data point, they're showing up on your website. 
then you have two types of leads. You have leads that are ready to buy and leads that are not. Now we can break that down into level of qualification if we want, but leads that are not ready to buy, if I inquire, if, I, if I'm looking to buy a new car, and I've used this analogy before, if I, if I go on a car site, I just want information. I don't want the salesperson hounding me yet. I just wanna know like, what is this car gonna cost? What are the, what, what do you have in inventory? Um, so I'm not ready, I'm not ready to buy. I'm in information gathering stages and then I'm ready to buy. Like let's schedule a call. Let's have a conversation. So when you start with those three categories, that, that in my opinion is a good starting point for a lead. An application is now I'm, I'm level three of the lead. I'm, I'm ready to buy and an application determines, am I truly qualified? Do I have the financial bandwidth? Um, is it in a market that, that is accessible, um, or scalable? Um, and I'm willing to fill out a longer form that, that gives you a little bit more information to digest to determine whether I have the financial bandwidth to do this. And like that, that is a quality lead. So my skeptical part, right? So I, I, I love the framework, right? Ghost leads, ready to buy, which you're saying is application stage. And then you have information gathering stage. They're not ready to buy yet, but it's all on a time horizon, right? Because today's ready to buy could have been last year's ghost lead and then could have been last year's not ready to buy lead and today becomes a ready to buy so look I'll, the way i'll challenge it is i you know i think knowing my conversion ratio and the attraction i'm getting on general leads or info gathering and then you know because these metrics are important right because if i could accumulate through pay-per-click through broker leads, a good group of um, info gathering leads that don't convert this year, but convert the next year. I mean, I think there's important data there. Absolutely. And I'll take that, that, that group and move them over. Now, again, like the topic is more like it's more to help brands figure out how much you have to budget to win. And it's not based on leads. It's on, on the right. next level. And if you really want to dive into it, if you, if you deploy $25,000 and you get a deal, then your cost per deal is $25,000. If you spend all in on franchise marketing, $100,000 this year, and for simple math, you get five deals, your cost per deal is $20,000. So it gives you an indicator of a number that you can use. And when you, if you can pull two years of data, now when you're budgeting for next year, you're saying roughly for our brand, for brand X, uh, it costs $20,000 per deal. Therefore, when I'm budgeting this. Now, extracting from this, the, the buyers that are in the information gathering stages, these are what unfortunately get labeled as cold leads by franchisors because they've been trained that if, if Charles does not answer the phone, when Charles inquired on my site, Charles was not a real lead. Charles was not interested. But Charles, as an infant buyer into franchising, may have not understood that he's going to get hounded by six phone calls that are going to come from this franchisor immediately after and therefore also get discounted or dis distributed into a cold lead list. And what you're saying, Charles, you're a billion percent right. There, there are people, fans of the brand that are like, man, I love your hot dog. It was the best hot dog I ever had. How much money do you have? I got five grand. Can I open up a hot dog shop? No. So there's, there's not quality qualified 
and not ready to buy, but there's also qualified not ready to buy and not giving you their information. And therefore the content distribution that goes to that audience is so vital to eventually pushing them over the, the finish line, which could be six months, a year, two years down the line. They're still there. They just weren't ready to talk with you. Nick, and, and I don't know this, um, how extensively, just from a best practices standpoint, even from a traction standpoint, how extensively are franchisors or good franchisors monitoring these KPIs in terms of contacts, you know, uh, potential ghost leads, whether that's, you know, uh, Google traffic and whatnot, geo traffic, and then conversion, like how extensive do you think franchisors are getting and keeping these KPIs and looking at them monthly? I think the ones that are winning are doing it. It's very, like, it's very clear. The winning franchisors are doing a really good job at all of these KPIs. And I can tell you that from, from my own experience of, of consulting with them. Um, the most though, I'll tell you, this is, this is the gap. It's, it's not, it's not wanting to do it. It's time. And so when you have one person or two person in your sales department and you're asking them to close, let's just use the number 10, let's use the number 12. You're asking them to close a deal a month this year. Can two people get it done? Maybe, but it's like the sales process is not, not a simple one. And if you're, if you're an organization that is built around leads, the amount of phone calls and emails that have to go to other folks uh, sucks. So like the, the, the time available to go after these, these leads and convert them is, is very, very limited. So the, the, anyway, to answer your question, I think the franchisors that are growing set up the right KPIs budget based on their own data. Don't come out and say, you know, magically we want 18 deals next year when the most we've ever done in a year is six. Um, are you willing to multiply your budget by three? No. Uh, then you reach disappointment at the end of the year. But it, I mean, it seems easy to backcast, right? Following your formula, you have your, your budget, your dollars spent divided by closed deals, you know, cost per closed deal, then just start dividing it by, you know, your, your contacts and other things. And I guess where we get asymmetrical is with brokers, right? What's the difference between a lead that's ready to buy versus a lead that's ready to buy that came to you through a broker? Because those leads seem very different. And with good brokers are ready to buy franchisee, in my opinion, is ready to select between two or three franchises. Well, that okay. So the great great point. I think a broker lead is the is similar to an application lead because right. they've already been qualified. They're ready to buy, and now they're talking to your brand because because they're in. They're actually factually interested in it based on the discussion that they've had with the broker before it's been handed off. So that that would be a super quality lead that's coming over because of the stages of qualification that already happened, which, which frankly, I mean, that's, that's where, that's where the brokers are intercepting franchising. They're saying, look, sales teams are not qualifying these candidates the right way. They're going too hard on the sale. Let's light sell them. Let's educate them on what franchising is. Let's try to understand what model makes sense for them. Let's coach them into the right fit for them. And now let's introduce them to one, two, or three brands that fits the profile of the buyer, generally speaking. 
So the brokers look at the franchisors and say, look, your guys' process is so broke. We're going to build a process that, that facilitates buyers and teaches them what franchising is and how to buy it. So the broker lead that comes in is super high quality. So it sounds like semantics, but I think this is a big mindset shift. What happens or what should be happening mindset-wise and operation-wise when a franchisor says, okay, today we're measuring our ROI, cost per application, we're not focused on cost per lead? Well, I'll, I'll compare it to our business. I mean, here, here's, here's the transparent truth on how our company works. Ask me what our cost per lead is. No clue. Ask me what our cost per proposal is. No clue. What I do know is that we're going to spend 7% of every dollar that comes into our organization on marketing our business. That's our number. That's what we spend. That's what we budget. So we're going to spend 7% to go market to the to, to our growth. And then our indicators, we looked at the data on how much new business can we bring in per person on average. And so we have our own indicators in-house that we can watch on how are we working through these leads. Now, what would kill me, which would really annoy me in our company, is if we had 10 proposals and we're not and we're closing one. Like the amount of energy that goes into a proposal is so significant that our job is to qualify the candidates, our clients, before they even get to that stage. I don't want, I don't want wasted proposals. I don't want to give out our secret sauce until until we've qualified that candidate. So the, the point is, like, if if I'm a franchisor, I figure out a way to budget, base budget, and create a rolling budget that automatically goes against franchise growth. Fran- if, you're, if you've decided to become a franchise, growth needs to be a part of your KPIs. Um, but you need to budget properly against it, and you need to fill up an, enough energy to get in front of the right buyers. And you need to really listen to your own internal data uh, and know who your buyers are. Yeah, <clears throat> what I love is the shift, especially for the emerging franchisors, puts more accountability and responsibility on the franchisor too, right? Because it's no longer, hey, vendor, how many leads am I getting? They now have to dive into that process, dive into the application, the convert, you know. So the media and discussion between lead to application that's a big gap, right? And in, in that gap is probably where nine out of 10 emerging brands go wrong, right? And when they're working with the wrong vendor, you know, they're gonna tell them we got you all these leads, right? And they don't know what to do with that information. So I love what can happen in between lead to application when a franchisor goes to dissect, how do we improve, improve the ratio? Yeah, look, I, I went through this last year with a brand that said, you know, vendor X is getting me all these leads. And I'm like, cool, but are they quality? Well, I don't know. It's too early. They switch over to us. They go, you better get us the same amount of leads as them. And I'm like, sure, but you got to understand, like, it's it's almost destiny. You're destined based on the amount that you spend on marketing for the amount of quality leads that you're going to get. I can't wave a magic wand and make more people interested in franchising and in your brand. It just doesn't work that way. So... We went through this and, and they're like, well, we just want the leads, match match up the leads. And I'm like, we can, I just don't think they're gonna be quality. So we go we go through that process, we we push run uh, and 
I, I said, you're going to get bad quality leads. And they do. And then they're like, well, why are these not quality? I'm like, I don't know, idiot. I told you this at the beginning stages of this. I don't know what to tell you. Like, do you want quality buyers or do you want leads? Well, and there's a big opportunity cost, right? They're you're no longer a client, by the way. What's that? Oh, but you're going to spend time and effort with the unqualified leads, right? And, and so even internally on our team, we only onboard by choice, maybe 10% of the contacts that come to us. And we go through a qualification process on with clients. But, you know, when I'm speaking to a coach, a business coach, they're like, how much time are you spending in this process where 90% you're not onboarding by, you know, most of it is because they're not a good fit for us and we don't onboard. There's a big expense there. At what point in your process do you talk about the financials? Financials being the cost for yeah, us. Yeah, the cost to work with. Yeah, you. that's right up front right away. See, I think I think that's where like franchisors, it's almost like, and, and people are like this in general. If, if I think think through uh, hiring someone, you're like, all right, now we have to have an awkward conversation about like, what what is it going to take financially to get you off? Like, but you've already invested all this time to decide if they were the right fit before going cutting through the through the channels of, of discussing what will it cost to get someone in. So if you look at like transparency and pricing and, and that's on both sides and you set that tone up front, then at least it helps qualify. So like we've started putting on the forums, like, do you have a hundred thousand dollars cash without the help of the bank? And if you click yes, then, you know, we'll, we'll trust that you do and you could be a quality lead. Um, but if you don't, it's not a big deal. Then the, the follow-up question is, do you think you can find help from family or friends to help you get that money without the help of the bank? If the answer is no, we can still be friends, but the only currency we have in this life is time. And if we waste that time against someone who is not qualified and not going to buy versus proactively doing outreach. I was talking to a franchisor yesterday whose development budget is next to nothing. And they brought in almost a million dollars in fees just by proactively going through through LinkedIn, finding the market they wanna grow in, communicating, building relationships, talking about their brand, why you, why now, answering that all without other assets because they're actually hustling. These are, these are things, the, the, the intangibles that are so vital to winning at franchise sales. But my, my overall statement is I think franchise sales as a process uh, too high expectations on the wrong KPIs without a data set to support it with too much pressure on a sales team to go perform equals a failing franchisor. And unfortunately, sorry, folks, the majority of franchisors will not grow what they expect. Yeah, I mean, that's a big reality. Um, yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about the transparency, right? And so for us, it's easy. It's like a fee. What, like, what creates super transparency for the franchisor? I guess your point is being extremely candid and upfront with the application, right? Yeah, but it's tough because when you're conditioned to get leads, you your your mindset is let's not turn off the candidate by putting restrictions on them. Let's keep the doors as open as possible. And look, I gave this advice to a brand yesterday. I looked at their their form. I'm like, there's no way anyone's going to fill this out. You're asking for too much information. I said, but if you're comfortable only getting 10 leads, 
or 12 leads in the next year, and those are going to likely close, change your mindset, then it's okay. But if you're looking at this and saying, I want a thousand leads a month, then that's, that's where they get tripped up. Cause you, you, you become transparent in pricing. You're going to lose some candidates, well, but they're not real candidates. No. And, and then even there, there's opportunity, right? Some of the things we've been talking about is, is, so we pre-deploy information, right? I love when a prospective client asks, well, I know you can't give me an exact price. What's the range? And my answer is no, we could give an exact price or an exact quote because that's all we do. But, but then you think about all the applications and forms on 98% of the websites, they all look the same. So there too, I think that's a big point to differentiate, right? You can have a qualification video. You could have a multi-step process. I mean, you could actually differentiate your brand just there and save your team like 20% of the headaches with unqualified candidates. Yeah, but what you just said is too, is too smart. And that's the problem. Like the reality is if we said, guys, to build the right sites, we need your executive team to answer these 25 questions that Which the buyer wants to know. Right. And they, but they won't because like, it's too smart. It's, it's like, well, you, I, I mean, don't ever accuse me of saying anything smart, but you could just go like to a click funnels website, set up a multi-stage process, but how great would it be that the fine, you know, a team member talks about these are the qualifications that we're looking for. There's four of them. And I mean, I think that's such a great process. I mean, those forms, if I were buying a franchise, I don't think I'd ever fill them out. And there's, there's the answer. So, so the whole point of this, and, and Charles, I think the theme that you and I have been talking about over the last few weeks is disruptions too strong of a term. It's, it's more like adjusted or pivoted mindset that what we're challenging franchisors to do is don't come up with false, false numbers. Don't, don't, they're false expectations. Like if you're like, I'm going to get five deals done by the end of this year, you haven't deployed your resources properly. You're playing from behind. Like the odds are actually against you. And then what you're going to do is you're going to put the wrong pressures on the wrong people that could actually have impact to your business. And then you're going to have to start all over next year. And then you're going to get frustrated and you're going to get burned out and you're going to be in this constant cycle of disappointment. But the reality is that comes back to you to change that, to change that you got to change your mindset. You almost got to step, step, step away from your brand, look at the core data on deals and leads and applications and try to be smart about how do you budget for 2022. And so that's all we've been talking about is mindset shifts, whether you're a Zor, a Z or a supplier, change your mindset and you have a shot to win because with strong fundamentals, I think any brand can win. Yeah, and then um, I guess takeaway here, mindset shift, incremental improvement, move from cost per lead to cost per application. You got it. Game, set, Franex.